2: Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net where we bring you investment strategies that you are not hearing about elsewhere. Contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. Go to our website to hear podcasts of any of our shows and interviews, Strategic Investor Radio I'm Charlie Wright. Today is August 7th, 2015. We're very pleased to have with us Lou Petrossi, founder and CEO of the Wealth Research Institute. He he, uh, speaks to us from their headquarters in Nevada, and they also have offices in Europe and Asia. So, Lou, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio.
3: Charlie, it's an honor to be here
2: so lou uh, you've had a, a distinguished thirty five year career in financial services industry working with investors. You provide research to investors you've been the author of two books The Richest Man in China and Private Equity Road to Riches. Tell us how you got in the world of investments and how it has evol- how you have evolved into what you 're doing today
3: well, first of all, I never planned uh, to get into the investment field at all and uh, going back in time when we had the 70% tax bracket. Do you remember that, Charlie? I
2: certainly do. Uh, unfortunately, I was never in that tax bracket, but uh, I remember it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, at that time, I was living in Hillsboro, California. Um, I became financially independent. I had more money coming in that I could spend. My typical day was taking the kids to school, then going to the Olympic club, in San Francisco to work out, then going to the Bohemian Club to play cards, then coming home in the afternoon. And it became very distressing to my neighbors to see the nice lifestyle that I had and the fact with the 70% tax bracket that I had reduced my taxes almost down to nothing legally. So people were complaining to me about their stockbroker, People were complaining to me about their taxes, their accountant. So I wound up, uh, as a result, trying to help my neighbors, becoming a certified financial planner, registered investment advisor, broker, dealer, principal, and really doing everything to help these people. And uh, and I discovered and I learned a lot through my research. And the, the most striking thing that I learned, Charlie, was that out of 100 people who reach retirement age at age 65, only two are truly financially independent, and that's ridiculous. Because by that time, everyone should be a a multimillionaire. And to compound the issue, uh, a lot of people are worried about running uh, running out of money. And science now tells us that uh, they have the moving parts and the technology to keep us going at least till age 95, and John Hopkins uh, did a study that um, says that kids born today are going to live to at least be 100. So we have longer lifespans, Charlie. Uh, We can't rely on the government. Social security is not an answer and in trouble. So people need the right asset allocation and to take investing seriously.
2: Okay. Well, we appreciate that. And so what are the kinds of services that you offer to investors and subscribers today, Lou?
3: Okay, well, uh, first of all, I write books. I've written a couple of books, uh, The Richest Man in China, which is a unique story about a woman who was pregnant uh, with, uh, with child, and uh, to save face, she wasn't married. She gave birth on a riverbank and left a baby in a blanket in the snow, He was raised by monks, and uh, he never knew any parents, he never knew any relatives, he never knew who his father was, he never knew who his mother was. And he became the richest man in China, and in my book, I explain the Eight Pillars of Wealth, how he did that. After that, Charlie, I wrote a book, Private Equity Road to Riches, because private equity, as you know, has always been the top-performing asset class. And uh, it's a good way to make money. It's the only way that you can make money quickly. Although we advocate a long-term approach to investing, as you do, and compounding wealth.
2: Okay, you know, Lou, uh, I have uh, I've read your book. And it's very interesting, has a lot of good information for it, uh, for, for anybody. And, uh, you know, I know that private equity has uh, worked very well, certainly for Mitt Romney, for KKR, and for Blackstone. But I still don't understand, even after reading your book, one, how does one evaluate these companies uh, that have not gone public, obviously, because this is private equity. And then question number two even though your book tells about how to evaluate it, how how I get that information, and I just don't feel at all qualified to evaluate it and don't have the time and energy and ability to focus on that. And number two, even if I found a company I wanted to invest in, physically, how does one invest into private equity?
3: Okay, those are all great questions, and I'd like to start from the beginning uh, with this, Charlie, and explain how private equity works and how it got started. In 1946, uh, that's when the first Venture Capital Fund was formed, and the primary purpose of that was to help businesses run by soldiers coming back from World War II. And George dorot I don't know if you're familiar with him, he was a former dean of Harvard Business School, and he formed the first um, fund. It was called American Research and Development Fund. And their flagship deal was a $70,000 investment in digital equipment company in 1957. Do you recall that company, Charlie?
2: Was that IBM?
3: No, Digital Equipment Corporation oh. in Massachusetts.
2: Okay, yeah.
3: Well, at any rate, they put 70000 in it in 1957. And in 1968, they cashed out with $355 million. So that is the potential of a flagship deal in private equity. Uh, you know, we have one other friend of ours, he put uh, 37500 in Facebook and walked away with $75 million. Those are not typical things. So what I should do now is probably cover First of all, in the evaluation and how to find it, the landscape of private equity. Is that a good thing to do, Charlie? Yeah,
2: that, that, that's a good thing. Well, how, how can our listeners learn or or how can they figure out how to evaluate potential private equity investments in the companies?
3: Okay, okay. well, to begin with, um, there's three stages of private equity. There's early stage, which is basically a startup company. This may surprise you, Charlie, but right now in the United States, there's more than 500,000 new companies getting started. And the reason there's that many getting started, it's because of open source, the cloud, low-cost marketing. Today, anyone with a credit card can start a business. Now, these 500,000 companies, the early stage, yeah, there might be a Facebook in there, there might be a uh, Alibaba, but the odds are that most of these companies in the early stage are going to fail. So the next stage is growth stage, and that's when a company gets traction, starts generating revenues and earnings. And, uh, in the early stage, going back to that, you can get a hundred to one or a thousand to one, but there's probably a thousand reasons you'd lose your money. In the growth stage, uh, we're looking at 10 to 20 times your money. And then the, the final stage is the late stage, and that's getting into a company just before it goes public. And we're looking at anywhere from a two to a five to one return investing in companies that will go public within the next 12 to 24 months. So if you look at the spectrum, uh, it's easy to get in an early stage company. These people would crowdfunding advertise it, but it's very, very difficult to pick the winners. In fact, I think that people need to make money first in private equity and play with house money before getting into the early stage and the growth stage. And so that there's, there's two approaches here in finding these companies. One, You can invest in a fund. Now, when you invest in a fund, the top funds right now, their minimum investment is $10 million, and they have a waiting list. So that's not going to work. But if you can find a fund, my asset allocation that I like, that I think works best, is 10% early stage, 60% growth stage, and 30% late stage. That's one approach. Uh, and uh, some of those have been culled down where you can invest as little as 250000 to get into those funds and get the same coverage that you would with the funds that are charging $10 million or more. Uh, the second approach would be late-stage companies. And we help people find both the funds and the late-stage offerings. I like late-stage because uh, the probability, although there are no guarantees, Charlie. The probability of the, co- the company has already been vetted. The company already has strong institutional backing. The biggest players in the world in private equity have invested in the company, and they're ticketed to go either on Nasdaq or the New York Stock Exchange for a multi-billion-dollar valuation. And the last offering is the sweet spot. I call it the Holy Grail in private equity. Because that's where all the investment bankers load their best clients into the offering right before it goes public at the last pre-IPO wholesale price. So that when it goes public at the retail price, uh, they can get a multiple return on investment. And that's how the rich keep getting richer, as you know, Charlie.
2: Yes, they, they do. But how does one evaluate these companies? Your book, for example, has excellent points on what to look for, but how does one find all of this information that, that you identify in your book?
3: Well, they could read our book. They'll learn a lot, but, I mean, it's, it takes a lot of time and effort. And as I said to you earlier, there's 500,000 of these early-stage companies starting uh, every month. And uh, I list the, the main bullets that people – Uh, should look for, on the top of the list, I put integrity. And you don't need to look any further if you see any sign that integrity is lacking. Management is very crucial. The sector they're in, do they have something proprietary? What are the profit margins? Is it scalable globally? There's so many issues going in, but even if you have all this in place, it doesn't necessarily mean, that the early-stage company will develop into a growth company and a late-stage company and eventually go public or get acquired. So what I've done is in my asset allocation, I tell people, and this is mostly open to accredited investors, that's a person making 200000 a year or a net worth of $1 million, 300000 a year, if both spouses are working. I think that's still correct today, isn't it, Charlie?
2: Uh, it is, yeah
3: you know that's the landscape in 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 private equity and we we recommend an asset allocation of only 10%. I mean uh if they go to our website the com, they can see our asset allocation. The reason I recommend only 10% is we're looking for an asymmetric return which means bigger returns with lower downside risk. So, you don't need to mortgage the house or the kids to invest in this. And with our asset allocation, if somehow the 10% in private equity did not work out through careless investing or uninformed investing, the other 90% of this portfolio would still make people uh, financially secure. Because investing is a balance. It's a long-term process. And there's things that have to be managed and allocated properly. Uh, for one to succeed,
2: yeah, no, no question about that. Lou, uh, we need to stop right there and take a quick break. We're talking with Lou Petrossi, founder and CEO of the Wealth Research Institute, and you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC dot net, and we'll be right back.
1: And now back to Charlie
3: and his guest.
2: Thank you, Paul. We're talking with Lou Petrossi, founder and CEO of the Wealth Research Institute with offices in Nevada and Europe and Asia. And Lou, uh, let's ask uh, from your years of experience here, what do you see as the most important things an investor must do today?
3: Okay, the first thing that an investor must do is take a long-term approach to investing Asset allocation will determine where you wind up financially. So it's important to have a distinct, definite asset allocation model and follow it. And we put 50% of, we recommend that people put 50% of the money in stocks that pay dividends and reinvest the dividends and compound wealth. We recommend 10% in gold, just as a hedge, in case the impossible or the the crashes of the dumb and gloomers are ever right, 30% in income-producing things, that if you don't need the money, get reinvested back into the dividend-producing stocks, and 10% for private equity. Now, the way we're made up without a definite asset allocation plan, most people are guaranteed to fail. You want to know why, Charlie?
2: Then uh, tell us, Lou.
3: Okay. The first reason is for two million years, humans have developed a strong survival instinct that leads to instant gratification. And a good illustration I'll give you right now, because people irrationally make buy decisions based on greed and sell decisions based on fear. And listen to this, Charlie. They repeat the process over and over again until they go broke. And one classic, well, I mentioned only 2% of the people are financially independent, but another classic example would be Peter Lynch's Fidelity Magellan. I know you're very familiar with that, am
2: I right? Oh, yeah, all too familiar here.
3: Okay, for 13 years, Peter Lynch compounded wealth at 29% a year. It's almost impossible to do it again, or to say that he actually did it, but he did do it. The average investor in Fidelity Magellan lost two point eight percent. So you might say, how come the fund did, the mutual fund did twenty nine percent when the average investor lost two point eight percent? Two reasons: one, they didn't take a long term approach to investing, and they let their emotions get the best to them. When the stock dropped and the bad news was bad, they sold the fund. When the stock hit a new high, they would buy back in and repeat the process on and on without making any progress. That's why you need a very disciplined approach and stay with it. And I agree with Warren Buffett. I don't care what the market does or where the market goes. The price of a good company will always seek its intrinsic value Regardless of the economy, who's in the White House, what the Fed is doing—it's just a fact
2: of life. Right, and so you—you're a fundamental stock investor, I presume, then.
3: Yeah, with long—it's very boring. You get a good portfolio together. There's three or four ways that people can do that. You just hold that, and the game plan on that should be that um, you die with it. I mean, but it—it'll just keep compounding. We look. That portfolio should go up three times in 10 years, eight times in 20 years, and 22 times in 30 years. So so every $1 turns into three, every $1 turns into eight, every $1 turns into 22. And that's just what the historical average is. And most of the return from the stock market, as you know, Charlie, comes from dividends anyway, so... So why not have that part of your portfolio? But everyone wants to hit the home run, you know, buy the flashy stock on the street and um, overinvest in one issue. you got to be diversified, too. There are a lot of things that go into it. But, I mean, if people are grounded, if they follow my asset allocation model, I think in the long run they'll be better off than doing what they may be presently doing. That's okay, just
2: my Well, we appreciate that, Lou. So tell us, Lou, a question we always like to ask is, in regards to uh, the markets, what keeps you awake at night?
3: Uh, this is going to shock you nothing.
2: Okay, and that's because
3: uh, it's because that we're, in, we're invested in all solid companies that are paying increasing dividends that have no debt, that are doing business globally. That are dominating their markets, and yes, there'll be vic- vicissitudes in the market. There'll be times when it goes up, but here's here's why I'm not staying up at night. If the market goes up, that's good, Charlie. Right?
2: That's definitely good.
3: Yeah, my dividend then is still buying more stock as it's being reinvested. Correct?
2: That's correct. Good way to do if it.
3: The market is fl- if the market is flat. Am I still making money? Yes, my dividend is buying more stock at the same price. Correct. If the market drops, uh, then I'm even buying more stock. So regardless of the markets going up, down, or sideways with the dividend reinvested, you're always making some money. And if we look at 2008, when the financial market scared the, you know what, out of everyone, I mean, look at where the market was in 2008, so you've got to, with the asset allocation return, uh, that I have here, you can weather these storms and not worry about them. Because when, in 2008, we left that 50% of the portfolio alone, and where did we make our money before the market corrected? You know, with a reversion to the mean, we made our money in income producing things and private equity. So that's, that's the balance that you need and that's a strategy, by the way, that most of the people that are among the wealthiest 2% in the world follow with minor variations.
2: Okay, and that, that's an excellent point, and I, I'm sure that's the case. So, Lou, give, uh, give our listeners your contact information here.
3: Uh, if they would like more information, we work with primarily family office And accredited investors that have a net worth of between 1 million and 150 million. Uh, they can reach me by email. That's probably the best way. The email is pre-IPO. That's P-R-E-I-P-O at AOL.com. Or or they can try reaching me, but I'm always traveling around the world. That number is 775-720-4580.
2: Okay. Well, thank you very much, Lou. So, Lou, final words before we close here for our listeners here.
3: The best years are ahead of us if you have the right asset allocation. The five steps that the people, your absolute future net worth is just dependent on these five things. The money you invest, the time you let it compound, the right asset allocation with low fees, select private equity, and tracking results annually to rebalance.
2: Excellent list of five for any investors. Lou, thank you very much for joining us today. Excellent words. Really appreciate it. We've been talking with Lou Petrossi, founder and CEO of the Wealth Research Institute, author of The Richest Man in China and Private Equity Road to Riches. And you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. Contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of any of our shows and interviews, strategicinvestorradio.com. We wish you an enjoyable week
0: No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.